Hey, I'm Tommy Chong. Welcome to High on Homegrown. Yes, yes, everybody, and welcome to High on Homegrown, the cannabis podcast from Percy'sGrowRoom.com. In today's interview, we have the pleasure of speaking to a legend from the cannabis community. This is DJ Short. DJ Short has been breeding cannabis for decades, and he is the original creator of Blueberry. And Blueberry has been crossed with loads of different strains to bring us some of the best cannabis that we've seen for over the last 50 years. He knows his stuff about breeding. We have a great conversation about breeding cannabis, about cannabis in general. We talk about psychedelics microdosing and we go off on many tangents as we do we just have a great friendly conversation with dj short and it was an absolute pleasure to get him on the show so roll yourself a fat one maybe two because this is an extra long interview and enjoy this interview with dj short it's a good one and i'll speak to you at the end of this see you in a bit hello hello hey dj short welcome to high on homegrown, man. Thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. I don't see my picture. I don't know if that's important or not. Oh, no, it's fine. You don't have to have the uh, video on if you don't want to. We hide behind these avatars because, unfortunately, uh, we still are in places where growing cannabis is illegal. Ah, uh, bummer. Yeah, yeah it's man. lame. But it is what it is. Uh, we'll quickly introduce ourselves so you know who you're talking to because it's the first time you've been here. Uh, I am Mackie. I am from the UK, the host of High and Homegrown, and we have Monkey Do. Monkey, do you want to say hello? Hey, DJ. This is Monkey down here in the southeast US along the Gulf of Mexico. I hope you're good today, sir. Yes, very good. Thank you. Nice to meet you both. Yeah, thank you. And and you are DJ Short. Do you Correct. want to introduce yourself so people know who you are? <laughs> so, yeah, sure. My name is Daniel John. Uh, I go by DJ for short. That's where it came from. Oh, right. So you're not a music DJ or a radio <laughs> DJ. No? Well, First question answered. There you go. There you yeah, go. You know First question answered. <laughs> sure, sure. I, li I like to pretend. I mean, I, I, I spin discs, so I guess I qualify. Sweet. Oh, we'll, we'll just pretend that you are an actual DJ from the radio then. That's what we'll do. <laughs> well, not so much from the radio. I don't, you know, kind of, kind of blaring out the back porch is more my speed. <laughs> nice. Nice. So yeah, you, you are a cannabis breeder, right? You are, you make lots of strains, including blueberry, which you just recently heard about. And that's one of my favorite terps of all time on cannabis, man. I love blueberry weed. Yes, yes. Nice. Um, true. Um, you know, I, I always respond to that just by saying guilty. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. <laughs> yep, yep. I, I did that. Nice. So, when did you do that? How long ago was it? Oh, it was a long, long time ago with, you know, late 70s, wow. uh, early 80s, came into development. And, and basically, if you know my story, then you've heard this before, but uh, say it again. You know, I, I'm trying to replicate what I consider to be the great herbs of the past. And, and uh, as far as flower, that was tropical sativa. Um, and then, of course, the hashish, which uh, in the day was Nepal, Afghanistan, Kashmir, Morocco, Lebanon, <clears throat> those types of places. Mm -hmm. um, and in, in my searching you know, back in the day, uh, blueberry is what I stumbled upon that, you know, when, when, when I sampled it made me go, ah, yes, 
there you are. Well, close anyhow. I, I haven't replicated those those things I've been trying to, but it's it's a goal. The bar is set, so we keep working for that. And the term I like to use in terms of my selection process on the blueberry is that it's the one that best helped me heal. Mm-hmm. I like that. You know, and, and, and so that was the one that was helping me along. Other people had the same opinion, you know, and, and demand creates supply and, and away it went. Mm-hmm. I was one of those people demanding, but not back in the 70s. That's a bit too long ago for me, <laughs> but, but definitely in the late 90s over the year 2000 and around times like that. Man, I love blueberry weed. Is it? You know, the blueberry cheese from uh, Big Buddha's Blue Cheese. That's, man, mm-mm-mm. It's just that oh, terpene, cool. that thick, pungent terpene that the blueberry gives it. Man, I love it. Mm-mm. Yeah, it, it's nice. And again, you know, it, it satisfies me. But to, you know, qualify these things, you have to realize that those tropical sativa, which I hope someday return, um, were just head and shoulders above. They they were, you know, for lack of a better term, magic. Mm-hmm. And and it was it was cross cultural. It was everybody was affected the same way. It 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 just it made people's days. It it, it inspired a lot as well. And there there are, um, you know, examples of it in in the smoke we have, but that full spectrum that the outdoor tropical environment provided was just very special and unique. Um, mm-hmm. Hashish, we're, we're, I think, doing better. We're, we're closer to replicating great hash um, than, than great herb. And I don't mean to disappoint people. I know that people love what they got, but I don't think outside of the tropics, we will ever replicate that tropical sativa. We have other things going, you know, um, um, specific cannabinoids and terpene profiles and whatnot. But we're, I don't think we'll ever be able to match that environment entirely of what, of what the tropics provided. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In terms of you... herb, now, ash is another story. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and I've speculated on this before that the glandular stalk trichome that we're all used to looking for and, and, and recreating um, in, in my opinion was strictly bred for hashish production outside of the tropics, Mm -hmm. Afghanistan, Mm. Lebanon, Morocco, um, those types of places that utilize some, some form of, of sieve uh, method Um, hashish in the tropics or Nepal, which is a, kind of a uh, an exception because it's not technically in the tropics it's right outside but it has this high elevation and and um that environment just produces you know i think really really what we're after Mm. and i'm I'm hoping to see it again um someday and again like i said we're we're getting pretty good at, at at isolating um hash uh, unfortunately, we have to get over this potency uh, aspect because potency is is not the be all end all. Oh yeah, yeah, we say that so much on this show. We are terpene kind of people, you know, and, definitely. and the potency cool. definitely comes secondary to terps. Cool. Yeah, we love it, man. So, I mean, you you mentioned there how you started off with the blueberry back in the seventies. 
So you've been doing this for a long time then, because I assume you wasn't young when you were when you were uh, making the blueberry in the seventies. Well, yeah, early twenties. I mean, mm-hmm. I've, I've been smoking since I was fourteen, and and really been on the road since then. Um, you know, uh, basically seventy eight. I was twenty one years old when I moved from Detroit out to Eugene, Oregon, and that just that you know set me on my path. Because mm-hmm. Eugene was a hub. It was a vortex for cannabis in America back in the day. Um, the Northern California people were seeking refuge up, up that away. But there was also, you know, just to, due to the, the, the Grateful Dead presence and yeah. the Keezy out that way. So um, there were things of quality that were, that were coming through there that I was fortunate enough to... Um, be able to sample mm-hmm. and and that that really helped you know you developing the palate mm-hmm. um and and, and uh, being able to sample all these things to to have a goal to shoot for and so mm. and i'm still at it you know we're, we're not done yet and i and i like <laughs> to say to people too you know to kind of keep uh keep everybody's hopes up that the the best is yet to come i think i think we're gonna we're gonna survive this prohibitionist mindset and, and get beyond this and get back on our path to truly, you know, utilizing the full planet to come up with the, the various herbs and, and, and medicines and things that we enjoy mm-hmm. and utilize. But yeah, it's not just cannabis that we've lost touch with, you know, regarding medicines. It's the, the mushrooms as well and the fungi, lots of different kinds sure. of plants that can be used as a medicine. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mushrooms, yeah. cactus, uh, lots, mm. lots of yeah, it's, it's a shame that we lost touch with it. So when when well, did you start? Uh, sorry. No, I was just going to say, we just lost touch temporarily. Yeah, I suppose. That's right. Yeah, cause it all seems to be coming back now, especially in Oregon. Yeah, I think Oregon have uh, legalized psilocybin now as well, have they, for medical uses? Or is that That's well, California, definitely, but maybe Oregon too. Yeah, yeah, working in that direction for sure. You know, mm-hmm. we, we, we got a long way to go. It's it's if nothing else, pay attention to how powerful propaganda was. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're still dealing with it with cannabis, yeah. which should which should fully be out of the closet now. But there are people, you know, that you're in a, a general conversation with someone, and, and they're on the fence, somewhat anti-cannabis, and you bring up that it cures cancer. And they're just beside themselves. Oh, no, you you have no proof of that. You do. Yes, <laughs> yes, we do. I, I mean, I know many people. Fate, mm-hmm. none, none, this is firsthand, eye to eye. And, and we're talking stage four cancer to remission. Okay, mm-hmm. how, how can that be ignored? And the, 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 the propagandists are going to try. You know, I, that, that's, that's all they do. So, so we should kind of be used to that yeah. um, uh, coming from them, but just, just keep moving forward. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the most important thing, especially, especially young people. Just mm-hmm. Grow the mushrooms, grow the pot, just, just keep doing it. Um, d- d- regardless of, of what, you know, consequences um, or lack of reward, any of that, that, that just keep doing what we're doing and we'll come out of this dark age. Yeah, for sure. Just got to stay strong, man. It'll be over eventually, hopefully. Oh, yeah. So 
when did uh when did you start growing then? You, obviously, you were using cannabis before you were growing it, and and then you started growing and breeding cannabis. So when did that happen? What's the story there? <laughs> yeah, I tried. I mean, you know, that, yeah. that's all. That's all we can do. We just keep <laughs> yeah, trying. That. You know? <laughs> but I mean, okay. Back in the day, when it was when it was you know uh, commercial lots of, of sativa, Colombian, uh, Mexican, whatnot, and it was all seeded. But those mm-hmm. those commercial loads, uh, they did something. We couldn't get the seeds to sprout. I couldn't get the seeds to sprout. No matter what, plant the silly things. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. I don't know if it's pressure, radiation, steam, heat. Uh, however but those those silly things wouldn't wouldn't sprout and and lord knows i tried uh, there was one time out in the back patio where we used to smoke uh, a plant came up between the pavers mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're like was, yeah, was, oh, oh look it worked look moon <laughs> out there dig it up and move it around and oh my god just mishandled things so much and the poor silly thing just just died but um <laughs> From there, it's just wherever and whenever I came up, found that uh, seed sprout kit in a, a cereal box, um, a little sponge in a, in a plastic bubble, and, and I had some Hawaiian, some seeded Hawaiian at the time, which which wasn't as commercially manipulated as the other stuff. I put a whole bud right in that in that little um, seed sprouter. And sure enough, those seeds just took off. The tails came off. And, and then <laughs> so, that's so hold on. You, you got a, you got a bud that still had all the seeds in it. And you planted that. <laughs> Is that how you went? I planted the whole bud right in the thing. And then all the seeds sprouted out of that. And I pulled them out. And, nice. And back in the day, you got to remember, you know, I, I, I uh, had this YouTube thing just come out recently. And I made this comment about, you know there weren't grow stores, mm-hmm. and, and no, but we had so- cereal boxes though, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> but someone in the comment section is, "Oh, come on, man! You, you couldn't go down and buy soil and just go down and buy pots." It's like, no, you yeah. you couldn't. Like sometimes there was a nursery store, and 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 maybe like in, in in Michigan we had Frank's Nursery, but they really didn't cater to horticulturists. They were more like Christmas mm. ornaments and 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 garden tools and that kind of stuff, but. As far as, you know, my materials, I had to get a a metal waste paper basket and use a can opener to put holes in the bottom, gravel from the driveway, dirt from the backyard, and and, and that's how it was done. That's that's hardcore. I mean, yeah, yeah, well, it was and didn't know anything about flowering, timing, any of that. I just had a fluorescent light at the foot of my bed and grew these beautiful four or five foot tall they were thai and colombian and things uh they look pretty but really didn't do anything still very satisfying you know it mm-hmm. was just it's so addictive to to do that that farming w- with the plants and then and then finally when we do figure out how to do uh flowering time and and the lighting improves and whatnot and we make that first batch that's sticky it's got resin on it and it gets us high and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it was, the, the, the type of high. It's, it's a whole concept. I grew that. Mm-hmm. You know, that. I made that happen. And I smoke. And of course, it's going to make me feel good. Um, that, that's, that's just a given. And that's I love watching this. This is nowadays when you see people coming on board and they get some seeds and they grow their plant. And you see that relationship develop. That is so satisfying. That yeah. is, yeah, yeah, I mean, Absolutely. that is just part of what you know what i'm doing this for that 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 
that that's the payoff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's exactly why we run Percy's Grow Room for exactly that experience you're talking about there. You know, helping people yep. grow that first first crop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 once they do, they're addicted. And as far as negating propaganda, getting the public in in touch to be in a room with a plant to be able to see it. And I witnessed this mm. way back in the in the nineties in Amsterdam, nineties and the two thousands <clears throat> in uh, the uh, Amsterdam the cannabis uh, museum. Yeah. Yes. The cannabis college <laughs> and the basement, they had a little grow. And oh, it was terrible. You're full of spider mites and whatnot, but they had nice big plants and they would have tours. The tour buses come through with the straight people and they're, you know, they're all, Oh my God, we're going in the basement. And this is a red light district. So everyone's kind of in this, risque attitude anyhow and 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 so many times down in that basement and from the tour group i heard some you know a woman lean into her husband and someone in the group say to the other person just kind of whisper oh my god it, it's just a plant <laughs> and, what did they think it was oh my gosh and, and that I, but i i sat there and i witnessed this wipe out 80 years worth of propaganda in these people yeah yeah. It was gone. Poof. There no more is this plant, the boogeyman, that's going to come eat them from under their bed and steal their children and whatnot. It's like, oh, my God, this is it's, it's a plant, for that's God's it. sake. So but to to again, to, you know, we have this opportunity that's that's available to us right now is to witness the effects of propaganda. Mm -hmm. And and how serious that is and how how much work it takes to dig out from under the term I use is malinformation. Okay. There's misinformation, which can be innocent. You know, you hear something that's not true. You pass it on. You didn't know any better. Malinformation is intentional, bad information. And that's mm -hmm. what cannabis and a lot of the, the drug culture has had to endure, you know, for, for a long time. So th that's kind of our job. That's kind of our dharma in front of us right now is to approach the rest of the world and go, hey, you know, we're here, we're high, get used to it. Same as the gay community had to deal with in the past. Now, now it's our mm -hmm. turn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it would have been a, uh, compared to what was happening with the LGBT community a few times as well. And it seems to be quite fitting the way drug users, you know, drug users, even that term doesn't seem right for people to use cannabis. But, you know, we seem to right. be uh, held back by society because of the way we choose to live our lives. It's just, yeah. it's just yeah. a shame, man. It's a shame that we're still putting up with all this stupidness after so long. I mean, it's been uh, between 50 and 70 years, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, and, but a big part of that, you know, the irony of this is the, the, the a lot of that responsibility is on our shoulders. And for me, anyhow, the way I approach it is I look at society and I go, okay, no there's problems okay and and i use as my example to sort of reflect back to anyone i'm having a conversation with is like look society got it wrong about cannabis mm -hmm. they still do so how can we trust anything yeah we have to reassess everything we've been taught and and it's an arduous task but i think that it's it's what i see young people nowadays are are up to it and, and it's just realizing that we were distracted to get our awareness back from those distractions and to focus it on the things that are going to benefit us. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. and 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 we're there. You know, it's just getting over this this asinine, idiotic distraction yeah. stuff. It's um, one of the reasons you find a lot of cannabis users. Well, not a lot. I wouldn't say that. But, you know, many cannabis users uh, lean towards the conspiracy theory side of things because we see (laughs) behind the curtain to some extent because we've been lied to for how many years about how bad (laughs) cannabis is. One cannabis will kill you and then we try it and it's fine. Sure, sure. I mean, so we're we're the first, you know, firsthand experience Mm -hmm. uh, in that capacity. This isn't secondhand at all. We we went through this crap and, and and still are and it's it's so unnecessary that's that's the sad mm-hmm. thing about mm-hmm. this i still the people still being persecuted people that still trust the system and and would will choose chemotherapy over cannabis oil strictly because of how they've been conditioned mm. and here's here's the thing that the term uh, I, I love to give this to the public this is a great way to deal with the prohibitionists is that in, in terms of cannabis and the cannabinoids and in the what's in the plant, I make this statement, very bold statement. Cannabis is the safest substance known to human beings. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, mm-hmm. what, what science do I back that up with? Well, turns out <clears throat> I don't need any science to back that up with. I can utilize my opponent in a debate by asking them, please, please name something safer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Name something safer than That's cannabis. Well, we run to mm-hmm. the water. What about water? Well, no, actually, mm-hmm. you can kill yourself with water. The only thing the body has to prevent is the sense of bloating. We can override the sense of bloating and drink enough water to create an imbalance in our body that, that causes death. That's right. Cannabis, it causes an inebriation, you see. And that's where the prohibitionists get uptight, is this concept of consciousness, because they don't have a handle on their own consciousness. Mm. So when they see someone else that, well, I'm going to alter my consciousness to utilize this as some stereoscopic way to view the world well they can't handle that and in all reality it's it's unfair to them we have an unfair advantage because we know about our consciousness we're Mm. set in ourselves and you could say the same thing about the, the gay community that people who in an oppressive society still decide that no i am this and they deal with the oppression well they really know their sexuality they don't have that distraction to deal with whereas mm-hmm. these other people do so these prohibitionists they they don't have their own consciousness in mm-hmm. order so mm-hmm. they're going to try and control ours yeah um so safest substance known to human beings if you disagree with that very simply name something safer and i've been at this for 40 years i've talked with doctors many scientists speculated many things oxygen gold you so no everything has an ld50 um except cannabis now i, I will say this that the, this may also be true for mushrooms and cactus and for the same reason that these plants have chemicals that cause an inebriation that does not kill, that doesn't mm-hmm. allow you to put any more of the substance into your body. 
you mm-hmm. lose complete control of your body. But these same <laughs> molecules that are causing this inebriation protect the brainstem. They protect the autonomic nervous system. They won't let breathing shut down or heart rate stop. And there have been, you know, uh, uh, emergency room physicians who unfortunately are afraid to publish papers, mm. you know, prohibition again, stating that in, in an overdose situation or a toxic overdose situation, they prefer having cannabinoids on board because the cannabinoids protect the brainstem. Wow. Nice. And That's crazy. yeah, it, it is. It is. What's crazy is, is that this plant was illegal. This mm-hmm. was prohibited. But, you know, when you factor into that, the, the well, the, the factor of, of greed and that's what it's all about. Is that what you think uh, cannabis has been illegal so long? Everybody has their own kind of theories. I'm one of those who think it's the uh, big oil pharmaceutical companies you know, uh, lobbying the government <laughs> to make something illegal. That's definitely and, and not reason. just not, not just cannabis. That's mm-hmm. why there are a few rich people and so many poor people. Because we've mm-hmm. all been lied to. It doesn't have to be this way. That's nope. right. And, and and we're able to talk about it. We're now, the world is connected, okay? People mm-hmm. from from Africa to Antarctica to Asia, every can listen to this podcast, can, and, and so we're connected. But I, I like to refer to this, this is the interim. We, we got to figure stuff out before we can proceed farther. And, and that's mm-hmm. what we're in the process of doing. That's what this conversation is all about, and... Uh, another thing that I've realized lately, just to pass on you know, those little bits of wisdom, is that the most valuable thing we all possess is our awareness, what we choose to focus on. And, and the online community knows this, this whole clickbait phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Who's, what do you pay attention to all this time on social media? It's got a value. And, and, and so as far as our you know, gaining control of our lives, that's gaining control of our awareness and getting out from under the distractions and, and being able to, you know, build a, for lack of a better term, heaven on earth. Mm. What else we got to do? Yeah, for sure. And when it comes to expanding consciousness as well, what's your stance on other drugs, you know, you know like, like cacti and mushrooms, for example, DMT and those kinds oh, sure. of psychedelics. So what do you think yeah. about those? They're wonderful. They're they're very safe. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, they're provided through the plant world mm-hmm. uh, and, and the fungal world. Um, and and we know. I mean, you, you just take the silly thing. You <laughs> wait two hours, and then there you go. There's now you know. There might not be words to wrap around it to really you know define, but damn, we know what it is when it's right. there. Mm-hmm. And, and here's a fun thing. Um, um, psychedelics. I, I study psychology. Neuropharmacology is kind of my interest. One of them, anyhow. Cool. All of the psychedelic drugs based on the indole, um, indole molecule are neural inhibitive. They turn brain cells off. They don't fire them up. They turn them off. And, and one thing that we realized um, um, studying is the brain, you know, every, the human beings, the whole ego really likes to go to the, the brain Oh, the brain. Mm-hmm. Seriously, the brain is nothing more than a filter. 
it filters out information so that we can focus on one thing at a time. Hmm. The psychedelics turn those, uh, they, they open the, the, the filter, they, they widen the net, so yeah. to speak, the, the, the gaps in the net. And, and, uh, and more stuff can then slip through of what really is going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the other thing too, I think, you know, those of us from the, uh, what veteran psychonauts, um, <laughs> uh, oh geez, you know, and Dennis McKenna and Terrence McKenna. Yeah. Oh no, all of us, yeah. anyone who is experiencing this and, right. and learning these things, braving, you know, the, the false warnings uh, uh, from the prohibitionists and who are mm. in, in, indulging in these substances, you know, you uh, turn the brain off and the uh, reality of what's going on come, comes through. Another interesting thing, I mean, that, that we realize as psychonauts, nobody knows, okay? Mm. A lot, we like to pretend. We like to pretend like we know. And, and, and that's like, I've realized this recently, that's what celebrity is. Celebrity are the people who pretend the best. You know, they pretend mm-hmm. better than anyone else to be this thing. And we all love them for that or whatever, put or put our attention into them. Um, but it's, it's back to this concept of awareness and, and, and what we pay attention to and, and how psychedelic experiences free us from a lot of those um distracting conditionings mm-hmm. and, and are very useful i i um utilize a lot and i have for my god a, a long time now 30 years plus micro dosing awesome mm-hmm. and why are you micro dosing uh psilocybin um whatever i can get uh, i like <laughs> nice. pure LSD. I, do, I like pure lsd for its consistency Mm. Um, mushrooms can vary from batch to batch, you know, you right. get that. So, so if, if you're into the, you know, the mystery and, 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 uh, but if you, if you want things kind of a uh, set a little better than, than LSD is a little more consistent. So how was, uh, how does one microdose LSD? Because, uh, here in the UK, it's hard to get hold of these kind of things. We get it on little paper, uh, sure. tabs, and then you take them, but I assume you're talking about. Uh, liquid version, but you're liquid. dripping on. Well, something. either way, I mean, even with the tab, let's let's figure that that tab. Well, there's supposed to be a hundred mics, but most of them, I think, are around sixty. Right. So you cut that tab in half. That's thirty thirty. Cut that half in half. That's fifteen fifteen. You know, you cut that fifteen in half, and you got seven and a half. So basically, one eighth of a sixty microgram piece of paper is seven and a half micrograms. Uh, with liquid, it's very easy. I, I recommend Rescue Remedy, Bach Flower. Prep, it, it's uh, uh, oh, a flower, um, what do you call it, extraction. Right. Uh, a rescue Remedy. At any rate, I'll put, you know, uh, 90 drops of Rescue Remedy and then uh, 10 drops of, of LSD in there. And then I've, you're, you're right. If it's a hundred mics per drop and you'd about 10, 10 mics per drop, you can work that down to. So it, it, it's easy enough to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, same with mushrooms, you know, and you just take, take a small amount. I, I'm not a precision freak myself. I can eyeball things and kind of go, okay, that'll work. 
Um, <clears throat> and if not, you know, you, you done, if it's too little, then you do a little bit more. And mm-hmm. if you did too much, then, you know, take the ride. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah, hold on, man. Yeah. What, what, <laughs> It's good fun. Yeah, you know, I did uh, some acid a couple of months ago now. It was good, but it was intense. I didn't do a microdose. It was uh, hard work, but I'd like to microdose it. It seems like an interesting way to try things. Maybe you should try it. Maybe you should cut a tab into quarters and give it a shot when I've got nothing to do one day. Shouldn't, yeah, I know. Shouldn't I, mash them up too no. much. <laughs> and then the whole LSD thing, I mean, Owsley talked about this, about you know, laying hands on the vessel. Yeah. Or, or was that Leary? I think Leary or Owsley, one of them. And who the chemist is kind of yeah. puts their vibe into that molecule. And unfortunately, I think nowadays, a lot of most of the LSD crystals just coming out of labs in China. So, you know, how much sincerity mm. is, is, is going into making that remains to be seen. I, mm-hmm. I know there are chemists still hard at work. Um, I know from watching um, Hamilton, about the uh, ULSD, the ultra LSD, which just to me, I, he wasn't totally clear on that. It looks like the blue end of the spectrum they were, is what they isolated for the ULSD. Um, but but who knows? And then everything out of Shulgin's books, I mean, how many hundreds and hundreds of different analogs are, are, are floating about out there now? What I just, there's a book... Um, I just ran across recently 10 trips, uh, the new reality of psychedelics. And mm. it's apparently kind of a, a trip report on, on 10 different substances. Cool. And it's, it's, it's recently published. So I'm, I'm looking forward to looking into that one. Yeah. That also, sounds good. the stuff coming out from uh, the past, um, great book i read was roni stanley's owsley and me oh thank you roni stanley that book just that really opened up a lot um you know the details of of what transpired back then and just to think those those people back then there wasn't there weren't psychonauts before them you know a few mm-hmm. uh fritz Hugh ludlow and uh, a few of those people that that dared to to seek but my I really a lot of respect to Keezy and 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 those people who just <laughs> they knocked those barriers down man mm-hmm. the, the, the giants on which we are standing on their shoulders you know yeah I don't even think they would look at it that way because you do enough mm-hmm. psychedelic and it's ego death that's right. And yeah, their nope. ego's gone. You know, they don't have yep. it. <laughs> nope, no, no longer a giant's uh, shoulder, but a whole bunch of midgets standing on each other's shoulders. <laughs> you see it for what it is. Fascinating mm-hmm. times. I, I, I love it, and I love the fact that you know psychedelics are still very prevalent. I, I was scared there a long time. Mm-hmm. Prohibition, as bad as it was, and then, well, these these antidepressant drugs which yeah. are based on the same molecule, all right? You know, uh-huh. uh, uh, SSRI is basically MDMA with the fun taken out, literally. Oh, yeah, oh, well, literally. well why, not, why not put the fun back in, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do, you know, do you know how the fun is taken out? This is fascinating. Right, I, 
Okay. It's, it's rat studies. They will take whatever they came up with. So you take uh, Prozac or whatever was those early ones were, and they start feeding it to the rats, you know, to see if they uh, self-administer it uh, overly. And no, they don't. Uh, so the rat said, no, I don't like this shit. <laughs> so they go, okay, sell it. <laughs> and oh, the, 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 term is, the term is low potential for abuse. Mm, and they yes. leave that up to the rat. You see, and if the rats don't like it, then we can have it. Oh, that's lame. Yeah, it is. I know. But we, 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 always, we, here's another magic secret word to pass on to people word of wisdom circumvent. Circumvent means go around, <laughs> go around. So many problems can be solved. There's so many people, they come up to a problem and they just, you know, headlong into it and, and can't turn either way. And certain things in society are so powerful, they're just going to roll you over. Mm -hmm. uh, so don't, you know, don't Don Quixote it. Just go around. <laughs> you go around it. And, and in this day and age, the, my advice in that regard is just wait and watch. In terms of the cannabis industry, so many people, you know, getting in line to get their licenses. And this, it's so sad. But I've witnessed this up to this point. Everyone who is first in line is getting screwed mm -hmm. yeah. by the regulators. They, they mm -hmm. shift the regulations. They make you jump through these hoops that then, oh, the next batch, they don't have to jump through those hoops. But you had to spend all this money and do this. An example of, of this and, and whether or not there's corruption remains to be seen. Uh, there was a huge, huge grow up investor, you know, big, big money grow up. Northern California. I'm, I'm actually not sure where it was. I always assumed that these are in Northern California because where they all were. Um, Two hundred and eighty million dollars. Okay, and it went into a, I believe, a forty-acre property that was mostly forty acres of greenhouses. Okay, two hundred and eighty million dollars, quarter of a billion dollars, went wow. into this. Well, they went bankrupt. Okay, because of the regulators and everything, and boom, they got to sell. Well, that facility that they spent $280 million to develop sold for $35 million. Ouch. Now, yeah. Now, here's the question I have. Did the person who bought that have any connection to the people making the regulations? Uh, or, I would put my money on yes. <laughs> well, the way capitalism is set up, the, 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 it could have been. The original investors could have just set it up this way for it to fail, to screw mm. their original investors and say, well, you lose. And then to create this opportunity for this $280 million facility to be purchased for $35 million. Mm. But there's keep your eyes open. There's a lot of this going on. The uh, uh, Michigan, there's a bunch of cops, ex-cops in Michigan right now are going to jail. <laughs> They're going to jail because they got busted. Because they took over the regulatory thing for cannabis and they were taking bribes and kickbacks and they wow. got busted. And, and Imagine that. Cops doing something illegal. Wow. <laughs> no, no. And the, the, here in Oregon, we had yeah, the Secretary of State or the Attorney General for Oregon had to resign. Bye-bye. <laughs> all, all over pot. So my hope is that, you know, cannabis is still, it's going to help us figure out even more than just this, you know, silly brain thing that's going on. 
but how about corruption in society or how about here's here's my fingers crossed and i'm hoping let's show the world how to do capitalism right Mm -hmm. that would be nice Mm -hmm. take care of your workers you just you know it's it's not rocket science Uh and what it does is stepping off of greed and just just doing doing things right we have that opportunity uh available to us now so again fingers are crossed we'll see where it goes the greed is just a massive part of every industry nowadays. It just seems like so many people are getting screwed over while a few people are getting rich. Yeah, yeah. And I used to think that, you know, greed and fear were separate things because fear is, is what all this is based on. But uh, greed is actually a subset of fear. Hmm. It's the fear of not having enough. No matter what you have, you, you want more. Yeah. So it still is based on fear. And all of fear is based on ignorance, lack of understanding. So we're back to us, and our work is cut out for us. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's the same as it ever was. <laughs> yeah, man, but things are heading in the right direction, slowly. Yes. But we are oh, yes. heading in that right direction. Absolutely. Uh, slowly, mm-hmm. but in the right direction. I like to refer to myself as a pessimistic optimist. I'm an optimist. Things are going to get better. They just got to get worse first. Right. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. What a, that's how people learn. Yeah. So listen to know, those of us from the psychedelic society, we go through this first, and then we're there for when the rest of the people go through this. We're, we're waiting to give the hugs. Yeah. <laughs> so, come on. Come on. We got you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You were lied to. We all were. I know. Big bad boogeyman. We can make it better. Yeah, for sure. And nobody will even be held responsible for it as well. But maybe that's not what we need. Maybe we don't need to point fingers and and blame the government for being crooked as they are. Maybe we just need to get over it and move forward. Yeah, I, I, uh, for myself, I have eliminated the words blame and fault from my vocabulary and replaced them with the word responsible or responsibility. So instead right. of asking who's to blame, who's at fault, ask the question, who's responsible? And when I do it that way, almost always at least a little thread of that comes back to me, hmm. right? And then I mm-hmm. can start taking on responsibility for some of this, ah, you know, consume less and, and do more of the, the, the good things or whatever. But yeah, to get out of this mindset of, of, of blaming and faulting and, and taking on responsibility. Nice. Yeah. It's a good way to put it. So how long have you been microdosing acid for? Is, is that a reasonably new thing? Do you still do it? What's the story? Oh, no, no. I still do it as, as often as I can. I got to go out. I got to get another stash. Nice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I've got enough to get me through, but it's getting to that point where I've got to put feelers out. I've been home for the last two years, just just chilling mm. myself and really digging this time. Nice. Uh, but microdosing, I've been doing since back in the day. I mean, the opposite of microdosing, I guess, is macro dosing. Mm. Um, and oh, Lord knows I've done that. <laughs> uh, and, and, so, you know, well, I mean, so you've been partaking in isergic for a very long time and you've done like uh have you done heroic doses have you gone on massive yes. trips before oh yes. cool and i don't even know how much i've been dosed 
Okay. Mm. And, but it was okay. The party that was responsible people, it was intrepid trippers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't hold it against them, but I, I'm, I'm of the school. I'm of the don't dose school. <laughs> right. There's the, yes, it, Timothy Leary, he had what the, the, the two commandments, thou shalt not prevent thy sibling from altering their consciousness. Thou shalt not alter thy sibling's consciousness without their awareness. That's nice. I like that. Yeah, I yeah. use sibling too. He's brother, but hey, let's be inclusive here. Yeah, um, indeed. Any, uh, <laughs> no, this goes way, way back. So I, I do these these heroic doses, trying to figure out how much I had been dosed. It was over a thousand mics. I'll tell Ooh, you. That. Wow, Jesus. I think my first acid trip, it was some, it was at least 400 and some odd mics. It may have been 800 because it was these little orange micro dots that were wow. either two or 420 mics each. And I did two of them. And it's like, oh, yeah. yeah so we've been there, done that. And you um, say the average tab has got 60 mics on it. Uh, well, supposedly, you know, that, that that's what they tell us. Yeah. Uh, economics, I think, is what that boils down to. Uh, they, they figured out the lightest dose. I think even 40 people are you can feel it. You know, you know, you weren't mm-hmm. ripped off at, yeah. at, at 40. Uh, so some people try and get away with that. But yeah, so, as far as the micro dosing, OK, you do so much. That's a commitment. You know, mm-hmm. you got you got to give up a few days to that stuff. So what about, yeah. I, I like the Dulkin's <laughs> term, uh, uh, museum dose. Where, right. so it, oh, yeah, well, we want to go to museums. So, and, and you know, early, my, my early micro doses were more like a half hit, quarter hit, so somewhere <laughs> in that range. It, it took a while to get down to that. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I can sense 10 micrograms um, if, 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 if they're there. And it's, it's yep, there it is. Nice. Uh, Museum so, dose yeah. as well. I like that. You know, just, just a little bit, make things brighter, a bit more cheery. Mm, yep. More interesting. Mm. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you start going to the museum and then uh, cutting up the pieces of paper or, or stretching out the uh, liquid, however, um, and then doing it that way. I, uh, what was it? It was about 10 years ago now. I had my micro doses. I had a whole bunch, really nice stash going on. And I had my full hits and I knew the chemists. These were the, the Bay area people really, you know, tied in with the whole Shogun uh, crew. And, and uh, so, and, and I was going to do three micro doses that day. I was going to space them out a little bit. And so I did my one half hour later, I do the next one. And then uh half hour, do another one. I'm That's not nice- spacing them out. <laughs> it, was, it was a little bit, you know, just a little bit. Yeah. Of, yeah. Take, so the elevator doesn't go quite as fast. Well, at any rate, <laughs> I'm doing my bath, I'm doing my nice sweat, and I'm starting to really, damn, they, they must have been strong. And 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 I, you know, start doing things like, oh, I got a like, pile of change here on the table. I'm going to sort through that. And, and I found an uh, Indian or a buffalo nickel. And I sat there and I'm looking at this old, it's worn, the date's worn off on it. I'm sort of looking at this nickel for like an hour. So my God, that is so beautiful. And I'm like, damn, I'm really, these doses must have been strong. So I started doing some <laughs> yoga. And then I'm having these mental like, oh, wow, these, these uh, great thoughts. Like, oh, I got to write that down. So I get my journal out and I start to go to write this down and my hand's not working. No. But, but I'm sitting there thinking, oh, am I happy? <laughs> Broke, you know, he started having the panic attack. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and the, here's the amazing thing. It took me five hours 
to realize I did three whole hits. <laughs> three whole hits? So you wasn't microdosing at all? You just did no, three whole hits? No, I wasn't microdosing. I went to the wrong file and I didn't realize. Oh, shit. But you see, it took me five hours to figure that out. <laughs> and I had a good laugh. I, I sat there. It's okay, okay. For I think I had some nitrous laying around. So take the edge off, and away we go. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that you know, there, there's. I don't even. It takes me five hours to realize I've done a macro dose. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> it's good fun though. You know, it's a oh, good yeah. experience. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. As, long, as long as your starting material is is is, is good is sound microdosing is it's very popular nowadays i've even seen it on a tv show the other day there's this new tv show out on amazon called gen v it's a spin-off uh-huh. series of a series called the boys a superhero tv show and just randomly in there one of the kids he's not like a kid maybe 18 or something so uh, he said, uh, you know, I, I like to microdose on shrooms when he's talking to his friends. It's just it's it's starting to become just part of, uh, you know, the uh, just part of society now, where some people just microdose on shrooms. It seems like oh, oh, just sure. no, it, getting it, more and it, more normal. It's mainstream. There's a book called I think it's called A Good Day, and it's about a woman, uh, straight society. You know, maybe way in the past she had some connections to psychedelia. Uh, but then heard about microdosing and, and found her connection. And she was doing 10 micrograms in, in two five microgram doses um, and wrote a book. Uh, was it a really good day or a good day? I think it's just called a good day. <clears throat> At any rate, yeah, no, this has hit the mainstream. Um, and, and you can buy, I mean, they, they, they sell, they look to be commercial produced products they're packaged and dosed and uh awesome. the whole nine yards uh yeah uh matter of fact i think you can get them online i think you can get them sent do a search on microdosing psychedelics and see what pops up but there are like gummies and things that that no way. are ready to go um up in canada uh uh dana oh i forgot his last day um dana larson yeah dana larson um he opened up a shop up there that and they were doing first coca leaf tea. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And the cactus. Well, uh, Chris Bennett used to have up there the Urban Shaman, which I think he sold. And, and he's another one. Chris Bennett's been doing so much research in terms of the, the history of cannabis. Highly recommended um, um, his his works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we've had Dane the last one on the show before, a long time ago. We, uh, we're going to have to get him back on and find out how things are going up there. Yeah, yeah, look into a Bennett as well. He moved out to Nova Scotia. He was in BC, and he went to Nova Scotia, and he's surfing there now and doing his thing. But um, he, he's written uh, quite – he's the one that, that everyone is now talking about uh, cannabis in the Bible. Right. And the, um, the formula that was in there for the holy anointing oil and the whole nine yards. Nice. It's interesting, man. I, I like to. I, I, this whole topic fascinates me. You know, psychedelics and just natural medicines—the way they uh, they've been illegal for so long, but now are slowly becoming back to you know, the mainstream again. It's very interesting, man. It's good to sure. see. Yeah, I think more people should be microdosing on psilocybin at least. And it's oh, easy yeah, to yeah. do. Just grow a few of your own mushrooms and put them in capsules yeah. and stuff. It's not difficult. It's not yeah. expensive. 
and I, I love watching the, I, I haven't done it yet. I haven't grown mushrooms, but this whole, you know, the, the mating of the spores, you're taking two different strains and bringing them together and coming up with these new um, strains of, of psilocybin mushrooms. And it's wonderful. Yeah, it is. It's just contamination is a pain in the ass. That's the big problem yeah. with it. Yeah. <laughs> but the growing a mushroom, bit, that's uh, fun, unless you grow mold along with it, and then it's not so fun. You have to start all over again. Yeah. It's the way it goes. It but yeah, does, so, I, sorry. No, just coming up someday that uh, maybe all we're going to need to grow is the mycelium. Mm. And then yeah, we'll yeah. be doing extraction straight from there because the mycelium has everything in it and it needs the same could be said for cannabis i mean um you know uh, doing uh it's like a tissue culture where you just produce the cannabis cells in in the solution and then extract your medications right from there which Mm. i don't know we really don't need to do that maybe the sun goes away or something but in the meantime, it's just so I love how this is set up. You can put some seeds in the ground and and off you go. For mushrooms, you need to be able to identify them and mm-hmm. you can find those. You do you really even have to grow them. You can go out and find them in the wild as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very cool, man. Nature has just given us these things and they're just they're available to us, but we've just been told we're not allowed to have them. It's crazy. Well, you know, again, if you just don't judge. And, and step back and look at the whole thing in, in as neutral a view as possible. And those people that are in control, they had to do that. They, they, they wouldn't have been able to be in control if they didn't keep the substances from the people. So you understand why, you know, they, they did what they did. Um, <clears throat> and then I like to couple that with this concept of not judging back to no, no blame or guilt um and just just what is okay you know you did that because you were afraid and now that you know better and you're not afraid anymore can we please now move forward (laughs) Mm -hmm. so i think that's that's the the best place to focus right now anyhow is is moving forward with all this which it's it's doing on its own Mm -hmm. definitely a good mindset to have yeah yeah Becomes after many microdose sessions, I suppose, a, a mindset like that takes time. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, it, with, uh, sorry, uh, with, with the whole cannabis thing, you know, when did you, I mean, because we've uh, we went on some long tangent there with psychedelics because we like doing things like that, you know, sure. <laughs> we, we talk about these things a lot. Uh, back to the cannabis breeding, when did you start mm-hmm. breeding your own cannabis? So, what time did you start making your own strains? Yeah, that would be after I moved to Eugene in 1978. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. And I had, you know, mastered sprouting these seeds. Um, Eugene was an eye-opener for me in that the domestic cannabis scene I wasn't aware of yet. And mm. Eugene opened my eyes to that. And it was when I was buying my first bag of pot in in eugene i had brought in with me a quarter pound or a half pound of colombian that i i liked and i was running low on that and i i met this this dealer fellow a good guy and uh went to buy some colombian and i was paying i think 40 dollars an ounce for colombian at the time and he goes oh i have some of this this oregon grown and i go oh how much is that and he said well it's 75 an ounce like oh my god sticker shot right and i Mm -hmm. no yeah i did i didn't 
so he he whips me and and, and I said, okay, let's do this. Give give me I think I got a quarter ounce or a half ounce. I think I got a half ounce of, of the Oregon grown and a half ounce of the of the Colombian. He whips up my Colombian and it's you know two fingers in a baggie, and then mm-hmm. he has this Ziploc bag that used you know it was the size of a quarter pound of Colombian. And then he puts that on my lap and I go, wait, I, I, I was just wanted a half ounce. He goes, that is a half ounce. And I go, oh, <laughs> <And> it's green. <laughs> you know, it's green. There's no seeds in it. The smell is completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, oh, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, take that home and smoke some of it. It was so uplifting mm-hmm. compared to that mm-hmm. Colombian. And then I realized then that what we were buying on the East Coast for Hawaiian was coming from California and Oregon. <laughs> right. That's what was going on back in the day. Cali um, weed, Mackie. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's been so, around for a while, you know? <laughs> so anyhow, you know, it's all great. And then I start growing all under fluorescent lights. I'm, I'm living in a little duplex. I got my family. I've got three kids and two in diapers and just doing my thing. I uh, got a job that uh, was a doorman in a rock and roll lounge called <laughs> The Place in Eugene. It was a cool place. Talking Heads played there, Patti Smith. Um, so, and then that's uh, my, my, my friend that I got the pot from. He's the one that got me the job there. Nice. Um, so and I got to meet a bunch of other people and, and network and, and, and get to know a bunch of things. And I was growing this pot. Uh, sativas, all sativas under fluorescence. And I built these, I found these eight foot fluorescent fixtures in some thrift place and for Mm -hmm. for pennies or whatever, take them home, you take them apart, you put them, you get a four by eight foot sheet of plywood, you paint it white, you put the little receptacles up there, put the bulbs on them, you put some incandescent fixture things in there. And I put it all up in a big two by four frame that took up a whole bedroom Mm. and and with this weird light that once or more than <laughs> once that silly thing broke and you know smashed my canopy and how oh. i didn't burn the house down blows my mind <laughs> the canopy of the herb was about three or four inches thick even though it was five feet off the ground <laughs> and everything else was lollipopped up to there but it was a good pot you know it was it was good sativa and it went long it was, it was 20 weeks sativas Dang, damn, fuck. And eight oh, foot tall as well, damn. And, and then come 78, 79, by 79, I had gotten a hold of the indica seeds and started growing them. Well, here's night and day, okay? Mm-hmm. Eight-week finish. It smells like a dead skunk under the house. The short, <laughs> squat, easy to manicure, extreme bag appeal, but it was couch lot. You know, so mm-hmm. it interested me for maybe a month or two. And there's oh, been there, done that. And I saw, you know, the weakness in the, in the Indica line that it, what it brought to the structure of the plant was great for commerciality, but it's high was not what I was accustomed to, especially after all those great sativas I'd been smoking. Mm-hmm. Um, so then it was late 79. I had, <clears throat> a nice setup going well uh, 79 i bought my first hid lighting it was a thousand watt metal highlight no um dome or whatever the hell uh, you know cover it was just an open yeah. bulb run into mm-hmm. the ballast 
and I had a 360 watt sodium uh, supplemented that and kind of built this little room out in the garage and I was experimenting with hydroponics, just pea gravel and a pump and water and uh, whatnot. And that's when I was growing, okay, I had these indicas. Um, I had some more of the indica seeds than anybody else had because people knew what I was doing. They appreciated the work I was doing. And, and my dealer and this one particular manicurist that worked with the dealer saw to it that I got the indica seeds. Um, so I, I had a few of those. So I was able to get a male indica. Most of my contemporaries didn't. A uh, few did. Uh, but everybody, though, went the other route. They took the sativa pollen and put that on the indica. I did that way as well, but I found much you know, greater desirability in putting the indica pollen on the sativa. <clears throat> right. Mm -hmm. and, and so that was, again, that was 79. So 1980, I'm growing these um, F1s that are completely uniform. Uh, medium tall they look like Lebanese plants long spears full cacophony of odor you know it's like nice. spilling a can of paint in a in a hairspray factory with fruits rotting fruits everywhere and mm -hmm. burgundy and tobacco and chocolate and just everything every smell is in there <laughs> um, and all coming you know from from the same plant it's just that full cacophony now when I cross that f1 with itself one generation now then I saw the diversity in the F2 generation. I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, it's not like I had some rule book that's, oh, I'm going to go F1, F2. This is just unfolded completely on its own. Mm -hmm. And I'm, you know, fortunately come from a, a pretty decent science background. So I keep good notes, do good observations, and saw that extreme potential. Uh, there's a term I've studied it since. I only found out about this 10 years ago or so, uh, transgressive segregation. And I use the example of dog breeding. You got a Great Dane and a Chihuahua. You're able to cross them together. The Great Dane and Chihuahua, that's your P1s. Your F1 generation is going to be this like boxer pit bull thing in the middle, but very uniform. That's the thing about the F1. They are all alike. Um, but when you take those F1s in the dog example, that medium sized pit bull and cross it with itself, you should see examples in your F2 line that are smaller than the Chihuahua and bigger than the Great Dane. Meaning when you take two extremely different genetic representations, cross them to make the hybrid and then cross the hybrid, you will see um extremes greater than you did from your original p line your original p1 line right. and that's what i witnessed that's, that's exactly what i saw so basically in that f2 line uh a berry male berry female um cross them together and in my f3 i should be seeing you know 25 to 50 percent and sure enough there it is 25 percent Take a berry male, a berry female out at F3, out to F4, same thing. I'm seeing 50 to 75%. And then the F4s are crossed to make the F5s, which are what goes to market. And I did that specifically for a reason, uh, the F5. I wanted it stable enough, but I also wanted enough diversity in there because I found going out farther, right around F8, Definitely by F10, by the eighth or 10th generation, those plants acclimate to the indoor environment. They become 
cannabis indoor. We, I, I wrote a, a piece for O'Shaughnessy's, got published even, about calling for a new classification of cannabis. We have indica, sativa, ruderalis, now cannabis indoor. And, and, hmm. and it, it is. I mean, it, I saw this in Europe because the grow rooms in Europe back in the late 90s and early 2000s were all uniformly the same. Sodium, high-pressure sodium lights, a lot of CO2, and the pot was all the same, right? No matter what it was, indica sativa, you really couldn't tell the difference. And Mm -hmm. in my opinion, that was the acclimation of the strains to the indoor environment. And, and it's, it's not necessarily structurally related. It can be look like an indica, look like a sativa, and still do this, this, this same thing. Um, so it, it's, it's uh, the limitations of the indoor environment once again. Mm-hmm. But I think we can break out of that once we get worldwide. My hope for the future in, in cannabis is Africa. Mm-hmm. Africa won't disappoint. We need to support Africa. It's it's the largest landmass in the tropics. It is that whole Central African, you know, Kenya, Ghana, um, straight across there, uh, and and just the the cannabinoids and terpene profiles we will see come out of that, or will definitely rival uh, Mexico and Thailand and and all the other places. Mm-mm-mm. So oh, anyhow. Sure. In ter- breeding and that was you know 79 80 and then i i just dove in that was my life from that point on i was i was homeless a few times didn't have a place i had to rely on on people who who helped uh two both of my good friends that helped me do this they're both passed away now uh frank and michael you guys they rock they they kept going for me uh when i had hit hard times and so I always like to acknowledge uh, Frank and Michael you know, did their bit. And there's a few people yeah. now. I got Josh and Jeremy are, are are alive now, helping out. And so it's good to give credit where credit's due. So you still breeding now? Oh yeah, definitely. I'm looking forward awesome. to doing more. I, I've taken a break, like I said, uh, kind of backed off from the whole crazy world. I'm waiting on a partner. He's a doctor in Southern California. We're we're set to go. Um, but he has some legal hassles outside of this whole cannabis thing that he's dealing with cleaning up right now. It was fortunate and opportune, though, I think, as I said, now is the time to just wait and watch. That's hmm. my advice to people in the cannabis industry. Just watch. Don't don't be in a hurry to make a move unless you're so sure of yourself. Great. Go for it. You might get lucky. Um, so it's not a definite thing. But my advice is just wait and watch. And, and, and see how this is going to unfold. Word coming down the pike is that something about the year 2025. And uh, the sources have it that, that the Fed's going to make some major move come then. There will be a crackdown associated with it. I think we're seeing hmm. the beginnings of that right now. Mainly the Fed, is it's hands off. They're letting hmm. people do pretty much whatever the hell they want right now. Hmm. When that's going to end remains to be seen. But it it wreaks havoc on anyone trying to control a market. Yeah. And as far as the market is concerned, we got to be realistic about this. And and this is this needs to be said. What I see going on is these people 
you know, they got dollar signs in their eyes. When you got dollar signs in your eyes, you got plugs in your ears. Nothing's going to, you got, that's all they see. They're trying to set it up so that the price of cannabis stays what the price it was when it was prohibited mm-hmm. during prohibition, you know, two, $3,000 a pound. Mm-hmm. No, that, that, that's oops. Yeah. You've got to think this through. Think just agriculture. What, what you go into agriculture, do a search on what is the most expensive thing you can grow. What can you get the most money for? It's like cranberries or, or flower seeds or some weird thing. And it's not just like $15,000 an acre. Fifteen twenty thousand dollars an acre is like the max of mm-hmm. what agriculture can produce. When we're talking a buck a gram, which is only four hundred and fifty bucks a pound, that's a million dollars an acre. Yeah. Right? Th- th- that's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. Because I yeah. come in and what are you going to do about the Chinese? Mm-hmm. Because when they figured this a million dollars an acre, hell no, we'll do that for ten cents a gram. Yeah. You know, bring it a thousand an acre, but but still a hundred thousand dollars an acre is unheard of in agriculture, right? Mm. So we 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 need to be realistic about uh, pricing. That has always been my advice to people going forward. It was ten years ago, or a little more. All the big you know big grow ops were up and coming, and they're basing their price point on fifteen hundred to two thousand a pound. And I told them all. Oh, I said, look, base your price point on getting five hundred dollars a pound. Don't put your bottom line at 15. It, and sure enough, they it, it unfolded and they lost mm. and they went bankrupt. Yeah, a lot of money's been lost in the last few years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God, it's it's obscene. It's yeah. just obscene. And hopefully, you know, these things will, will work themselves out. So, you know, going forward, bear those things in mind. I'm, I'm looking, you know, my goal is to get a grow facility. I've only released, I don't know, 30, maybe 40% of my library. And I want to go to a place where we, I sprout it all. Let's Mm. just get the hell out of the way, take half of everything, sprout it all, intercross it and see what we've got here. Because I've seen everything pass through my hands, every flavor of haze, all these different strains that have come through the years. I've, I've worked with them and, and, and most of them like, the, the some basically is potency issues they were too potent right and they lacked the character the subtle character due to their potency whereas that's what some people are shooting for right so they go oh, mm-hmm. you know, it's the green cracker whatever the hell you know name of the day uh, mm-hmm. thing. but i'm looking forward to doing this because nothing will prove my value in the work I did more than sprouting out my seed collection. Plus I have this whole collection from around the world. Seeds have been coming to me from everywhere. I've got this ambassador fellow named Fritz that speaks nine languages and travels all over to the hatch countries and has been bringing me seed from Nepal and Afghanistan and Thailand and just all over the world. So looking forward to doing those too and seeing if we can replicate what was done back in 1979. Nice. So, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to getting back in the game, uh, doing this again. My my mantra has been to the community, the best is yet to come. I I hope to uh, be able to to prove that, um, but we'll see. So you're responsible for blueberries. Is there any other kind of uh, main strains that you've brought out? Which ones have you worked with in the past? 
Oh, God, well, you know, uh, flow, blue moonshine, blue velvet, blue heaven, blue satellite, uh, temple flow. Uh, the, the, the list is long. Nice. Um, there have been quite a few, and I'm doing work with other people now as well. I have my son, uh, Jeremy, and another friend, Josh, who are taking elite cuts, which is something I just don't have the time or energy to do, and then utilizing the F4 blueberry male pollen to those to recreate some of these, these things that um, people have been doing. And that would be um, Second Generation Genetics, which is Jeremy's company, and Blue Star Seed Company, which is Josh's in Michigan. Cool. Yes, there's uh, going to be some nice new strains coming up soon as well. well in a couple of years when you got your facility up and running. Yep, yep, That's definitely. Awesome, Looking yeah. forward. So you grow your own still? You're growing your own personal stuff at home? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I have two. Uh, bulk of it is seeded. I left the mail out there um, just because outdoor is so nice. It's so healthy. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I have two uh, testers that I put in a different part uh, of the garden. They got a few seeds on them, but not much. And that's something I'm going to be releasing, I think, in December. I haven't come up with a name yet. It's a nice stretch indica, and it has a very purple pheno, a purple stretchy pheno, and a tighter green pheno. Uh, and and there's cacophony different uh, flavor difference between the two. The purple one is more fruity, and the green one is, um, I don't know what term I'd use, more savory. I guess hmm. more hashy nice. um, and they're looking nice. I'm, I'm really pleased with them. I got to, I'll smoke them in, a, in about a month here and having the effect of smoking it is when I come up with the name. <laughs> All right. Yeah. It's the best, the best way to do it. Isn't it? Smoke it first. Yep. 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 Yeah. An idea of what it is. Whole, yeah. A bunch of things run through my mind. There'll, there'll probably be a few things to select from, but then you smoke it, you sit there, you pay attention to it and it'll come to you. So yeah, yeah, I'm definitely doing uh, uh, more, more work. Mm-hmm. And what what is the technique then when you're making your seeds? Do you just find uh, plants that you think uh, look nice, smell nice, taste nice, and then uh, seed those? Is, is yeah, no. Process for me, ninety percent of the game is the effect of the finished product. Right, and that you have to divorce yourself from how the plant looks I, i've noticed this phenomenon i'm guilty of it myself we fall in love with a plant in the mm. garden you, how it smells how it looks but whether or not that's the one that smokes the best remains to be seen and sometimes it's surprising sometimes that one that you would least expect to have that greatest effect of euphoria to, to be the one it is but no and, and that's the way it goes same with testing males you know, you can kind of go by these little clues, resin and, and flavor and uh, growth patterns, hollow stems, those types of things. But there really is no shortcut. That pollen has to go to a seed or to a female flower, make a seed. That seed has to be harvested, cured, sprouted and grown out in order to determine how the male that made it, you know, what, what it brought to the table. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's involved. Yes, it's a long process. I've never done it myself. Monkey has been making some seeds recently. It's a hobby that he's got started on. Isn't that right, Monkey? Cool. Yeah. Is Monkey yeah, there? Did it's... he vanish? Uh-oh. Is he, on, is he on mute? I can't unmute again. Yeah, man. Just, oh, just my God. 
just <laughs> learning the basics like you were back in the 70s, you know, trying a few crosses, make, making a few notes about what's going on and yep, seeing, yep. seeing how to learn it. You know, the only one way and, to learn it, you got to do it. Yeah. And what you're paying attention for, or what you're looking for are those things that are beyond whatever you've been accustomed to. Those, those, those things that go past the boundaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And they present themselves, especially when it presents it, when you smoke it and, and, and you ring that bell, that's, mm-hmm. that's what I'm shooting for. That's what I'm looking for to, from those uh, uh, tropical sativa. I hear you, man. It's 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 rings that bell, man. It's just like, yep, there you are. Nice. I mean, uh, we spoke to Tom from Seedsman last week as well, and you mentioned they have a new strain called uh, Diet Durban. I think the name is right, monkey. Yeah, it is. Uh, because you mentioned, uh, yeah, the, it's got the THCV, which is usually in the African sativas. Is that something you would be looking for in your future strains, considering you like the African strains? Yeah, yeah, quite, quite possibly. Africa is the one that I haven't been able to grow out yet. It's the hardest ones to try and find. I have a, a friend, Southern California, um, uh, Ellie, who's born in Ghana. He's, he's from Ghana and he goes back on occasion and he'd given me some seeds. He's doing some work himself and he's been See. utilizing the uh, blueberry with, with my blessing onto some of these Ghanese, which is, I mean, that, that's the place. That's, that's the equator there. But mm-hmm. yeah, I'm definitely interested in Africa. It was the strongest pot I ever smoked was mm-hmm. African. It wasn't the most enjoyable. It was kind of like DMT where, you know, you're not necessarily <laughs> in a hurry to go back. <laughs> but you kind of remember the experience at the same time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, so, as opposed to like LSD or mushrooms, even if it gets too rough on LSD and mushrooms, when you're going through the come down, it's like, oh, yeah, well, I want to go back here. Whereas with it, it, it's not really frightening. I don't know what it is. Part of it's terrifying. (laughs) Well, that burning plastic flavor, which you you expect it, you know, it's like, oh, that's like burning plastic. But then it's like, well, no, that's kind of pleasant. But as soon as you (laughs) stench the flavor, I mean, you're there. It's everything Mm. else is blasting off with that. Have you done a. Yeah, so I assume you have done a breakthrough experience with DMT. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Cool. There's something that I'm going to be looking forward to soon, hopefully. I have all the cool. necessary ingredients. I just uh, have to make that step. I've, I've done little bits of DMT through a vape and got some cool visuals, but I haven't done the breakthrough experience. But, so what's I that actually, like? What was it like for you? Well, I did my first breakthrough was with uh, Salvia. It was with a 10X okay. Salvia. And salvia always gives me this feminine presence. All right. right. I go into whatever it is you, you meld into the, but the reality I'm melding into it's feminine with, with, uh, with uh, salvia. And I went into this dream state and I was in this kind of cloud and floating along. And I ended up in this African village. Right. And there were kind of sparse trees about and, and huts elevated huts the huts were up on stilts and there was a fire pit in in front of one of the huts and inside the hut was a woman in uh, it was a young girl she was just you know, having her period what do you call it when a girl comes into and the one the old menstruating. woman was yeah menstruating and the opposite one was men arguing she was in menopause it was an old woman and in between them was this fire pit and i'm over the fire pit 
Now these two women are facing each other. And another thing I noted was they were wearing these dashikis and these headdresses that were this golden iridescent, like a beetle. You know how the beetles and the scarabs get that? Mm-hmm. You find a gold one. It's golden green mm-hmm. kind of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm really tripping out on the color on their things. They're facing each other. The fire's in the middle. They have their palms out facing each other and their hand going in a circle like they're facing a mirror. And both their hands are going in the same circle. And I look down and I see what they're doing. And I go, oh, they're weaving reality. Because I felt myself getting like kind of like the fabrics of me were getting pulled into what they were doing with their hand. The old woman looks up, looks at me, and she does a face palm. She kind of comes back down like, oh, shit, another one. And and she signals <laughs> the girl. I'm like a balloon now. And the young girl grabs the string of my balloon and the old woman said i don't know some other language but it translated out to take him to the sacred shower (laughs) they had to take me and clean me off somewhere and i just had the whole sense i was like oh shit i i'm sorry i didn't mean to upset your ritual but they were used to dealing with it It, it, it's like (laughs) these fucking dmt tourists (laughs) (laughs) so i went along i didn't fight it so that that was really cool um, and then let me see on five meo. Um, All right, that's yeah. from the frog, right? Well, it's, it's synthetic. It was just I have a okay. I have, I, have I have a friend though that does the frog. Guy named Kurt uh, up in Anacortes, and he's now like a full fledged shaman down there, in Baja. Cool. Um, uh, I could get more information if you if you're interested. Um, yeah, I, I like that kind of conversation. I want to get a couple of Colorado river toads just for pets. I think it would very yeah. be very cool. Well, sorry, and, uh, yeah. The, the, the five meo instead of feminine was robotic it was like right neutral. okay it was it was this totally neutral non-gendered robotic oh and with both of them there's music there's this and 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 with the five meo it was it was robotic music it was like ai was creating this right. but like it was dubstep good. yeah <clears throat> and I, I it's real easy for me i mean i let go of this reality quick and i can go off and then um um, come back to tip i always like to give to people when you're doing these uh, smokable psychedelics you got to plan it through you got to set your reflex up prior okay the whole thing you're going to take the hit in you i do this alone i don't have a sitter so i really got to be on my game put the lighter down put the pipe down get myself in position do the exhale because you got to remember to exhale. By the time you're exhaling, it's like the the whole thing to remember is don't get up because you're going to go through the thing. You know, you're going to go through the Crystal Palace, whatever, and you're going to be in your dream states. It's basically a stage four REM dream sleep that your conscious mind is dragged to kicking and screaming all the way. <laughs> basically, <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Is, is what on and then so what happens is you go through the trip and then all of a sudden there's these waves and you start you know the reality you left starts forming again and what happens is people get excited you were like oh oh like you've been through this and you're starting to come back to this reality and you want to remember you want to remember so bad but it's slipping away slipping away and people make a mistake terence mckenna wrote about this let you know that's when people are getting up and chasing the blue tikes right um, mm-hmm. is, is in that come down 
but there are still more waves. You're going to go through a few more little waves. So my advice is to train oneself, discipline oneself to stay lying down and breathe through that. Um, and don't get up. Don't let that excitement, you know, for, oh, man, what did I just see? Or go, don't go chasing the blue tikes. Okay. You sit <laughs> down, wait for reality to come back. And I found that when I do this, that experience then is equivalent to a good night's sleep. Wow. I like wake up. I am refreshed. I, I'm hungry. I want to make a meal. I'm like, whoa. And in the end, I can better assimilate the memories that I had from that experience hmm. uh, when I let it you know, run its course instead of me getting up and, and trying to make something happen. So I think it's just teaching me like, oh, just sit still and watch. Mm -hmm. Sit still and watch. And and in doing so, that's how I'm able to remember the the, the women and the dashikis and the weaving reality. And it's like, whoa. Wow. <laughs> how many times have you done DMT breakthrough experiences? Not that many, maybe half a dozen. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, you really don't need to do many. Do you? you just learn what you need to learn and then that's enough. Yeah. And it's funny you should because I've been curious lately. I'm actually winter's coming up, you know, the days are getting shorter. And I got a feeling I've got everything all set up here too. It's all good to go. So I think one of these days I will, you know, head off there on my own again. Nice. Go for an experience. How long has it been since the last time you did it? Oh man, good question. A good 10 years. Wow. Cool, man. So it'd be nice to go back and visit. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just, just I just think it's scary. You know, the whole idea of ego death and things like that. But I'm sure it will be fine. I, I think it's an experience I would enjoy. It's just taking an initial step to the breakthrough experience is a scary one. But I think it's supposed to be scary at yeah. the same time. Yeah, it is. But it's, you know, remind yourself of this. The only thing, the only thing that is 100% certain in the future is our death. Mm hmm Nothing else is guaranteed. Not the, the sun death and taxes, right? Through <laughs> taxes, I don't even. You know, there's other cosmic taxes I'm more worried about. So, but I do. You know, screw it. I, I, I pay the mafia, ever my IRS mafia every year. That's right. I don't, yeah, I'm mm -hmm. going to come break my legs. So, you know, whatever. Like the Buddhists say, everything is as it should be. So, pay pay them their wet their beak. I think that's the term in, in mafia. <laughs> they, they need to wet their beak um at any mm -hmm. rate yeah um what the hell we just had a brain fart off we go we're we talking about uh dmt breakthrough yeah. Uh, yeah. the only thing that's certain in life is death and taxes oh yeah yeah death it's the only thing is certain is death the, the next thing that's almost as certain as death is gravity uh, right. gravity's pretty consistent and and mm -hmm. in this form in in this material form we can we can pretty much trust gravity so death if death is certain why don't don't fear it be excited about it you know instead of it being an oppressive fear make it an exciting fear like you're going on a carnival ride hmm. you know <laughs> you're not sure what's going to happen and that's what fear is, is is the unknown um but here's the other thing where, 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 people say, where do i go when i die what you're there now you're there right now. What's going on is you're being distracted by tens of trillions of cells that are your body. Mm. And those tens of trillions of cells someday are going to meet that inevitable demise. 
and then what's left, you see? And the psychedelics, they're, 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 they're kind of easy, right? I mean, you, you take the ticket, you take the ride. What they're emulating is meditation. Hmm. And so that, that's the goal, really, just, just get into meditation. And meditation is nothing more than turning off all the stimulations of the body and what are you left with. Yeah, just the mind. <laughs> well, not even that. Mind is part of the body. Hmm. All we are, you go all the way back, you know, and nobody knows. I'm, I'm speculating on this. I'm, I'm, I'm throwing some words together to help maybe bring clarity. We are at our core, a point of perception. Mm -hmm. That's it. And that point of perception exists in a place, not even a place, because there is no space and there is no time. That's only here. That's only here that the body experiences uh, time. So I'm a point of perception. Uh, but I'll say this much, that in our passing, we are exposed to more opportunity in that moment of death than the entirety of your life combined. Right. What would you mean by that? Well, that's just it remains to be seen. Mm -hmm. But as a point of perception in a nirvana state, a place where there is no space or time, what is capable? What, okay, well, first of all, what is a point? We're talking about geometry here. Okay, a point has no width, breadth, or depth. It exists in a place of no space or time. And there are certain laws that govern it. Uh, any given point potentially has an infinite number of lines can run through it. So a point creates an infinite number of lines. Any one of those infinite number of lines has along it an infinite number of points. As a matter of fact, between any two given points on any one of those lines is an infinite number of points, the potential for, potential for an infinite number of points. So by just focusing on a point, I have created the potential of infinity cubed. Mm. And from there, well, then we start getting into dream time, but I, I'm writing this stuff down too. There's an actual formula that in, in creating three lines and three points, rotating them in a specific way and drawing them back to the center from a great distance, we're talking hundreds of thousands of light years, but coming to a going from the macrocosm to the microcosm um, in, in a specific way is capable of producing a hydrogen atom. And, and this has been my thing. I, I'm, I'm uh, oh, good Lord, I was raised Catholic, so I, I've been trying to help the world get out from under monotheism uh, for most of my life. Uh, but Science is right now hung up just as badly as we were in the past with this whole concept of everything goes around the earth. And right now, the thing is the Big Bang Theory. All right. Mm -hmm. All the Big Bang Theory does is it, it justifies monotheism. So we got this web telescope and we're out there looking at this like, well, no, there's, there's galaxies forming on their own out there. We're watching this happen now, but they're still trying to cram it. Like it all came out of this one point. 
because they're so addicted to their monotheism. Um, and and, and it, it put them in, in, in that place. But I think that uh, the way, the place to look, and again, if you, if you from a psychedelic point of view, to consider the Big Bang, that's pure ego. All right. Whereas I looked at it and said, well, wait a minute, Big Bang. No, no, no. Where did the first hydrogen atom come from? And that we can wrap our head around. I did. I said, oh, my God. OK. You know, you spin two clockwise, one counterclockwise, bring them in, creates a scenario where you have positive, negative and neutral polarity. There's a click um, in my meditations. I can say that this nirvana place, you know, I give it a name. There isn't anything, but there is a temperature and that temperature is absolute zero. Right. All the way down there. Um, and if an individual point of perception is successful in creating a hydrogen atom, hydrogen is 27 degrees warmer than absolute zero. OK, so we're still at negative 400 and something Fahrenheit um, as opposed to for negative 470. <clears throat> but it's a 20, 20, 27 degree difference, which is mm -hmm. the difference between, you know, 75 degrees and 102 Fahrenheit. It's, it's a big difference. And it, it tells us that we're doing it once we create the molecule, the, the, the atom rather, it replicates itself 10 to the you know, very high power, which is where galaxies come from. Then those molecules interact with each other, create uh, uh, helium next, right? <laughs> Critical mass, critical mass. Oh, right, right. And that critical mass, when, when our ambient hydrogen that's floating out there in space gets too crowded in one place, is critical mass. You know, you could look at that as the line in the Bible that says, let there be light. Because it's from there, boom. Okay. Then you have a galaxy. Then you have science. All that, okay, then, but, but once that happens, no, there's no controlling. You can influence it. But if you go to the point where you've created a galaxy, no, that shit's got to run its course. And that's mm. what we're all doing right here, right now, is we're running course on this hydrogen atom that made a galaxy, and here we are experiencing it. Yeah, damn. That's deep. That's yeah, deep. I'm, I'm trying to write it down. <laughs> <laughs> We got it recorded there. I can take you a snapshot. I can send you that little bit you spoke about. Beautiful. There. Beautiful. Good, good, good. Put it out there because most people, I, I haven't been able to successfully tell that story. Hmm. I've tried, and I probably even this time, it, it sends one's mind off on a tangent. And, and, and no one can get to the end of the train of thought I'm getting to. I put it this way I've got a, a story, but I'm a little ahead of my time. So kind of waiting for people to catch up. But when, I, when I'm with a, a psychonaut group, yeah, yeah, I can go way the hell out there. And a lot of my terminology I borrow from both Buddhism and uh, Carlos Castaneda. Mm -hmm. His Don Juan. Um, very recommended reading for the psychedelic state, even though he, you know, supposedly it was all a hoax and, whatnot uh, the terminology he came up with from his don juan and the psychedelic reality is priceless wow that's cool man that's, 
what other books would you recommend for somebody who's interested in these kind of topics, these psychedelic topics, and just searching for the ultimate truth, for lack of a better way of putting it? One published in 1987, uh, James Gleick, G-L-E-I-K, it's called Chaos, The Making of a New Science. And it's all about fractal geometry and right. nonlinear dynamic. And that's where science is screwed up. It's too dependent on a linear dynamic. It can't get past that. And this is where our psychedelic drugs and cannabis, I think, are going to come in and aid science. Cannabis is like our modern day telescope. All right. 500 years ago, Galileo had the telescope, but 500 years ago, all the rulers of the world said that everything went around the earth and they had the math to prove it. And if you countered them in any way, they just killed your ass. Mm -hmm. Um, So Galileo's got a telescope. Oh, look, he looks at Jupiter and he sees the moons going around Jupiter and says, "Um, excuse me, uh, there's something wrong here. Um, Well, life was shit after that. You know, he was a heretic. It's pretty much under house arrest for the rest of his life, then, wasn't he? Yep, yep. And that's and so here we are again. But what what we're looking at now is the difference between the linear dynamic and the nonlinear dynamic. And that book, Chaos, Making of a New Science, just just very cleanly the the whole concept of the butterfly effect and where it Mm. came from. There was an experiment done in 1962 on the weather. um, All this data that was out to the ninth decimal point. They had to replicate the experiment on another computer. So the guy shortened the decimal from nine to six. So we're talking about, you know, the pressure likes or temperature, 75 point, one, two, three, four, five, six, 79, as opposed to 70 point, one, two, three, four, five, seven, right? They rounded mm. it, but right. it, it, such minute little differences. And then they run the model and it, it follows the pattern for like the first wave. Then it diverses, goes off on its own, makes a completely new uh, uh, thing. And that's where they said, oh, my God, something as subtle as a butterfly flapping its wings in Brazil can invariably affect the weather in New York City six months down the line. And, mm-hmm. and here's proof. But see, science isn't it's not there yet. We don't have that to, to study nonlinear dynamic. The place science is breaching that right now is, is turbulence. Fluid mm. dynamics and, and turbulence and uh, extractions, the, because it's all based on this uh, critical uh, fluid uh, structure. Uh, so, yeah, okay, chaos. Uh, let me see what are the books? Just the great psychedelic books. Um, Jesus, I'm looking at my my library <laughs> here. I, I'm, I'm into authors. I just read uh, uh, Ken Babs' Cronies. That was really good. I, I mentioned Roni Stanley. Uh, anything ab- about the dead, uh, the, the Grateful Dead, because we're still just getting bits and pieces of what happened. <laughs> you know, the, 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 those dosings that I got back in the day, and here I am 40 years later going, oh, shit. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Man, that, so these books are coming out now. Like Rock Scully's, his was his was really good, and a couple others that the some of the roadies wrote and uh, band members. Um, but just that that whole phenomenon um, of, of of what transpired, and in learning that, it's you see, oh shit, this can happen again, and, and it more than likely will. You just gotta it just takes the, the right influence, right mm-hmm. timing, 
and 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 we're there i mean and look at all these great substances we have the great knowledge mm-hmm. something something's brewing something big is 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 coming yeah but what about mescaline have you tried mescaline before yeah a long time ago mm-hmm. um and peyote i have cool. an aversion to vomiting um i don't do well with nausea and for whatever yeah. reason my body just won't let stuff go so peyote for me and to a lesser extent uh, uh mescaline is three hours of of just dealing with not puking <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah that <laughs> oh, doesn't sound good. but but then after oh, it was wonderful um this nice cartoon dreamlike you know i could i could cover myself in a sleeping bag or something and just be in this dark world and have this <laughs> wonderful uh fantasy movie going on with these cartoon characters and whatnot Nice. That sounds like fun. Sounds like the last episode of Trading Park Boys. You know? <laughs> it really does. <laughs> it goes all cartoony. <laughs> Cartoon, yeah. Yeah, good yeah. shit, man. Well, look, at the, the time has flown by already. We've already been here for an hour and 40 minutes, man. And you know, we've kept you for quite a while. You know, appreciate you coming along and chatting to us, man. You know, I know we didn't chat about cannabis too much, but we had a great conversation here about psychedelics. And I, I love yeah. this topic. It fascinates me, psychedelics, dude, and all these plant medicines that we have. It's some crazy yeah. shit, man. Yeah, sure. And, uh, you know, I'm open. Anytime you want to visit again, that, that'd be great. I, I, yeah, that would I be love- awesome. And we could yeah. definitely talk about this more and cannabis more. There's definitely more we could talk about. I know that for yeah. sure. So. <laughs> So we'll get it on, man. We'll definitely organize another one. Maybe we'll talk about the breathing stuff then. Maybe, you know, if we talk about more psychedelics, that's fine as well. Well, as soon as you say psychedelic, <laughs> Mackie's going to say, what? Yeah, it's a topic that I'm, I'm always interested in. Always, and yes. A lot of information is out there. I've been kind of seeing to it that yeah. I got a lot of YouTube stuff and various uh, classes that I've given. So, you know, you can do a search and you can find uh, a lot of that information that, that, I've been putting out there. It helps awesome. though to have an interviewer, you know, kind of jostle my memory a little bit. Oh yeah, about mm-hmm. this. So yeah, it went well. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thank you. But where can people find you like those YouTube videos you're talking about and you know, maybe go and buy some of your genetics and things like that? Where can people find the information? Yeah, you search on uh, DJ Short. I got a website as well. DJ Short will take you to it. I think it's DJ Genetics. Um and yeah. uh Let's see. Uh, and listed on my website is all the, the various uh, shops, the authorized shops that got the seeds and, and whatnot. And I uh, Instagram is Old World Genetics. And there's a lot of information there as well. Nice. And trying to work with my uh, web guy. He's a guy named Ralph. He does mushroomdreams.com. Um, okay. and he, he's a graphic artist that is available. I, I really like his style. He's the one that's designed my uh seed packs and, and the whole web page. He, he just did all of that. Ralph shoots is his name. Uh, he's a German guy living in Colorado. Uh, so yeah, check him out and enjoy. I'm doing a uh yeah. show here, and I'm in Pendleton, Oregon. Actually, I live near Pendleton. And we're going to have a record swap. I think the 20th and the 21st is Friday and Saturday of October here in Pendleton. And I do show, I do bring seeds to that. 
I have a booth. I'll have a booth there. So come <laughs> nice. on by. I have some records and stereo equipment and stuff as well. Awesome. That's nice. like vinyl. You should just stay uh, trading vinyl with other people who are interested in vinyl. Yeah. And uh, information for that is on my Instagram. Uh, so you can, you, can, you can find that there. That's awesome. That sounds like my kind of event. <laughs> you know, Oregon sounds like my kind of state. I, I like Oregon. I like the look of it. I like the sound of it. Just never been there. But one day, one day. Oh, yeah. And, and well, in Oregon, there's two different Oregons. There's Eastern and Western. That's right. Cascade Mountains separated big time. It's just a little wetter. Um, they consider it uh, more liberal, but I, I shine my liberal light out here. On the <laughs> east, it, it's a nice tolerant community, and I, I got no complaints, but it is drier here on the east side. I'm on the east side. And, right. Uh, it's one of the better kept secrets in the world. <laughs> I'll be heading to the, uh, the west side uh, to see the eclipse this weekend. Oh, really? Yeah, it's, it's on the east side, too, but a little more south. So you're going to be down. I, the, the totality on that one is down around Roseburg. Right. We'll be uh, probably Eugene, and I don't know where she's, we're going to go from there. I think the, uh, the, the forecast says it's going to be a little bit cloudy in that area. So my daughter's already got some road trip planned. Probably. I, I'm going to watch the weather. It's like a five, six-hour drive for me just north of Lakeview. Ah. Lakeview, east side. And there should be a higher probability of, of being clear, but I will check the weather 24 hours prior. <laughs> and if it's going to be cloudy, it's, yeah, it's not really worth it. Yeah, that's one thing I learned about Oregon. The weather is always a little bit unpredictable. So, yeah. yeah. But yeah, DJ, we should let you go, man. We really appreciate you coming over here and spending your time with us. It's been an awesome conversation, man. I hope we can do it again soon, whenever you're free. We'll organize it on the calendar if you're up for it. Um, sounds great. Sweet, sweet. Yeah, and uh, but Chilbert put in the chat there, uh, djgenetics.com is where you can find some of the genetics mm -hmm. from DJ Short. Very cool. Yep. Yeah, man. Yeah, thanks again. We'll, we'll just let you go, and you can go and carry on and enjoy the rest of your day. It's been a pleasure, and I look Thank forward you. to speaking to you again soon. Yes, sir. Likewise. Thank you, you guys. Nice. Much appreciated. Bye, DJ. Cheers, DJ. Thanks, you have a good day, man. Stay high, stay safe, and all that. Exactly. Yep. Later. And there we go, everybody. That's the interview with DJ Short. You can find out more from DJ Short if you just Google search and you'll find all of the websites that he is involved with, all of the cannabis seed banks that supply his seeds and his genetics. And hopefully we can get DJ Short back on the show in the near future so we can talk more about cannabis breeding and psychedelics and go off on whichever tangents we like to go off on. A real cool guy, man, and I enjoyed this interview. It was a great discussion, and I look forward to doing it again very soon. I hope you guys enjoyed it too. But as usual, thank you for being here. Thank you for downloading the show. Thank you for listening. Please share this episode if you can, but of course we understand that it's not easy for some people to be able to do that so no pressure at all just thank you for being here i hope you enjoyed this episode and hope to catch you on the next one we have the grow guides on friday which is a special q a with angus we'll see you then goodbye yeah.